Blog Talk Radio. Happy Tuesday. Hey, wait a minute. No, it's Monday. Richard said the podcast was going to be on Tuesday. Well, Richard lied. He does that occasionally. But uh, scheduling conflicts arose, so we moved it to Monday. And it's a long story that involves bridge games and elderly people and possibly injuries, and you probably don't even care. So I'm just going to bypass it and say we moved it to Monday, and I hope the fact that we moved it to Monday at the last minute isn't a terrible, terrible inconvenience to everyone, but here we are. Uh, those of you who don't know me, I'm Richard. I'm the executive editor at Soaps in Depth magazine. I also handle our um, live tweeting while we're watching the soaps. This week, Uh, For those of you who have listened before, you know the basic format. Um, We basically open up with me babbling a little bit about my thoughts on the topics for the night. Then we'll open up the call lines. And while I have, you know, talking points that I'm going into the evening with, the conversation can go anywhere your little hearts desire because, um, you know, I always say the show is your show more than it is mine. So, uh, uh, we are, you know, pretty much open to talking about whatever the heck you want, as long as it's not any like secret recipes or anything like that, because I don't give those away. If you want to join the show and you want to call in, the number is 714-868-0749. Again, that's 714-868-0749. Uh, once you call in, If you want to actually join me and talk, I believe there's a little button that you push on your end and uh, or you're prompted to push one or some such thing. And I think it sends me a little flag. It's been a while since we've done this and blog talk radio has changed things up a little bit. So uh, I know last week I, I wound up bringing people on who really were just calling in to listen over the phone and they were like, um, yeah, I, I didn't really intend to talk, but once I got them on, they kind of enjoyed themselves. So if you're even thinking that you might want to talk, push the button and see what happens. And who knows, I might wind up bringing you on whether you want to or not. Uh, so the topics that I kind of came into the evening with, as you know if you read the program description, were uh, May Sweeps, which just concluded. And as you probably know, May Sweeps is one of those periods of the year where ratings are more important than they are during other times of year because uh, that's how they set advertising rates. Um, Matt Mitovich, who you may remember if you're a longtime reader of Soaps in Depth, used to be uh, one of our news editors, and he also, I think he used to cover All My Children for it, if I'm not mistaken, but he now works over at TV Line. And earlier this, like maybe a month ago, 
uh, probably right before May Sweeps started. He wrote a really fantastic little piece on ratings and how they're figured out and why they matter and why they're kind of not important in the way that they should be and why we're looking at the wrong metrics and things like that. It was a really, really cool piece. So um, Google his name. I will try and remember to send the link out later if I don't, somebody remind me. But it was, a, it was an interesting piece. But anyway, May Sweeps ratings are the period where they basically uh, – uh, use the ratings to set the advertising rates. So they happen in February and May and in November, so three times a year. And that's generally when you'll see lots of big sweeps events happening. This year's seemed a little more subdued than it has in years past. A lot of times, you know, May sweeps rolls around and you'll have like four weddings and three murders and two explosions. And, and things weren't crazy this year. And I think that that sort of has to do with the fact that the soaps have moved away a little bit from uh, from jam-packing sweeps and instead know that given that their ratings are not that great these days, it's really important to bring viewers in every day of every week of every month and not just save your big events for May sweeps. So, you know, today May sweeps is over, but we saw at the end of today's Bold and the Beautiful was one of the most interesting things from the Bold and the Beautiful's entire um, sweeps period, which was Katie pulling a gun on Quinn. Now, I'm still not convinced that that wasn't a fantasy sequence. We've seen Bold and Beautiful do this before, and that seemed a little out of the, you know, norm for Katie. Uh, I, I, I mean, I bought her breakdown and everything, but then when she pulled the gun, it just felt like it went a little too far. So I kind of think that might be a, sequel, a dream sequence. But Bold and the Beautiful, you know, they went to – they spent a lot of the month of May dealing with Spectra fashions and the, uh, you know, the, the, the failure of their first fashion show and then it being revealed that Sally had stolen – from them and Thomas coming and rescuing her and then Thomas being fired by Forrester Creations and deciding to go work for uh, the, their rival company. Um, for me, this was a mixed bag. I like Thomas and Sally. I like them a lot. I think um, Pearson Foday and Courtney Hope have really good chemistry. I like Coco and RJ, who are sort of the younger version of them, as we have these two different um, couples from two different fashion houses. It wasn't, you know, I've kind of been waiting for the Spectre stuff to kick in. It's played a little campy for me, and now we're finally getting to the point where I have been waiting for, which is the rivalry between the two fashion houses, you know, with Thomas over at Forrester, who else might, or over at uh, Spectre, who else might he take over, that kind of thing. So, you know, that was, it was, it was okay. Um, we also started laying the groundwork for uh, Nicole finding out that, she can't have a baby, and the one baby she did have, you know, of course she gave to her transgender sister, Maya, so it's clearly, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's particularly spilling any beans to say that we're heading toward a fight between these sisters over this child. Um, and I mean, the thing I'm interested in most about that is, is sort of how they play Julius, because remember, Julius has issues with Maya. He did not approve of her lifestyle. He didn't approve of of her her um, uh, wedding, really. And so to have, I, I kind of want to see Julius in the background, kind of whispering to Nicole, "Hey, take that baby back. That's your only baby, and she doesn't deserve it." You know, because that just that's exactly the kind of thing that that Julius, I think, would do, and and he would feel perfectly righteous in doing. So. You know, Bold and Beautiful had a lot going on, but 
and we also built to the wedding. You know, we had um, uh, Brooke and Bill, and would they or wouldn't they, or would she go back to Ridge? So there was a lot going on there. But I don't know, for me, none of it really felt all that exciting. I really like the Ridge Quinn, uh, the Ridge Quinn, Katie, Eric stuff, and I feel like we got away from that a lot in May to focus on other things. So now that it's back to being at the center of attention, and it's going to be for the next few weeks, um, there's a there's some good stuff coming up. I'm really excited about that. But the May stories, I was like, I think we're okay. But they didn't they didn't do much for me. Days of Our Lives this May basically was building up to taking us to a deserted island. And I have to say, I am not a fan of this kind of story. I'm just not into um, you know deserted islands that all look fake. They're they're terrible sets. They always are. And you know, we got a clue today as to what this is actually going to turn into with them finding the journal and saying that, you know, the people who were on the island 10 years ago, one of them got bit by a mosquito and got jungle fever, which, of course, Peter had years ago. So we know it's a curable disease. Uh, the, the stuff in Greece that built up to this, none of it really is all that appealing to me. I do like the Dario um, Abby stuff. I said on Twitter yesterday, the day before, that I feel like the Mario, um, Mario, Dario, Abigail stuff is sort of classic soap opera, as is Chad and Gabby. This foursome is kind of good soap opera in my mind. Not everybody agreed with me, but that's pretty much par for the course. I think the way to best sum up Days of Our Lives as May Sweeps is how much longer until Ron Carlovati starts, because I think that's what we're all looking forward to. I know I am. Um, I've heard some rumors about um, what's going to happen as we head toward, you know, everybody knows that Will is coming back and he's supposed to be dead, and how are they going to do that? Well, I've heard some rumors, and if they happen to be true, it's going to be really cool, and I do believe they're true because it sounded like when I heard it, it was something that I was like, oh, yeah, I can see Ron doing that, you know? Um, so I'm really looking forward to his scripts kicking in and us getting to, you know, fall, which is when a lot of his stuff will really majorly start playing. The Young and the Restless was a very complicated show for me in May because it was sort of divided down the middle. On the one hand, they had the very family-intensive stuff with the Abbots, with Dina coming home and how that impacted Ashley and Jack, and Tracy came home for that really wonderful, awkward dinner that they had and what's going on with her and her situation with Graham. I loved that stuff. That played on classic, classic soap stuff. Um, the one of the other big stories that they played was this trip to Hollywood, which looked beautiful, but I don't know that it, I don't know that there was enough story there, um, and 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 the fallout from it hasn't really been everything I would expect from it. And I think my biggest problem with it has been something we're going to talk about shortly, which is Hillary, because uh, because that's one of the other topics we're going to talk to talk about tonight is Hillary and Devon and. Julian and Alexis from General Hospital. So we'll get to that in a minute. So I really, I thought like YNR had a very solid month. They built up to Chloe's, Chloe's death and um, Victor and, and, and his part in this sort of starting to become revealed a little bit and how the family would react. So they had a lot of good, solid stuff going on, but some of it didn't gel as well as I, ex- I would have expected it to. Uh, and that leaves us with General Hospital, which of course had the biggest, splashiest event of sweeps, and that was the Chimera. I mean, I'm sorry, the nurse's ball, uh, at which we broke out the much, 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 much discussed Chimera, Chimera, Shemizel, Shemazel, however you want to say it. Um, Here's the thing, and this is something that I have talked about a lot where General Hospital is concerned. 
we spent months building up to, you know, what is the Chimera? What, you know, how, how will it be used? When will it be? And we all kind of got a sense at a certain point that it was building up to the nurse's ball. And sure enough, Jake goes up there, and there was those great scenes where, you know, Helena was on the sidelines talking to him, and Liz, you know, a mother's love won the day, and that's all great. But the problem is there was no payoff. We spent months building up to this, and at the end of the day, it came down to one day of, like, you know, Jake talking to his mom and talking to a ghost. Hudson West was phenomenal. So was Rebecca Herbst. I mean, and, and the performances at the Nurses' Ball were fun. It was a great time. Again, there was no real payoff, and this is a problem that General Hospital has had repeatedly, is we invest months and months and months worth of our time into stories, and then we get to the reveal, and they, there's nothing there. There's no follow-up to it. For me personally, I think they should have unleashed the thing. You know, let's, let, the, let the nurse's ball be hit by, and the people at the nurse's ball be hit by this biotoxin, and then play a story of who will live, who will die, use it to cut the canvas, because we all know there's too many people on the general hospital canvas, and I'm not naming any names, but some of them could go, and we'd be okay with that. Uh, you know, instead we did get the, we finally got the showdown between Sonny and Carly and Ava. And while I thought that whole thing was kind of silly with her holding him, them at gunpoint while there was a fire raging and, and even that she threw the lantern at them, it just all seemed like, it, it felt like creating circumstances to get to what you wanted to get to, which was of course Ava in the hospital. And this is going to kick off a whole new big story for Maura West, which is exciting because I feel like she's really, really radically underused and underappreciated on that show. But I'm not sure that it really, you know, that it really went anywhere. But I do like that, you know, finally Sonny and Carly know the truth about Morgan and and, and about uh, Ava having tampered with his pills, although how they connected those dots was a little fuzzy to me. But, um, you know, we got some great stuff today with Maurice Bernard and Maura West. I am a big fan of these two actors, and when you put them in a scene together, I am always, always, always going to be riveted. And it sort of looks like we're moving toward Griffin and Ava, which I am 100% supportive of. Couldn't be more so if I tried. So that's sort of where we stand. So that was, that was sort of my sweeps for me. I don't think anything really necessarily stood out. But it was an okay sweeps period, you know. It was it was honestly sort of bland. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about tonight was two super couples, um, which were Julian and Alexis on General Hospital and Devon and Hillary on The Young and the Restless. Neither of these couples is together right now, and it's funny because when I when I tweeted that I wanted to talk about these super couples, um, a one of the Julexis army, and you know I'm very aware of them. They're they're they, they have. They have hated me at times, and I'm cool with that. You know, like not everybody agrees with everything I say, and that's that's part of the fun. I'm all for discussions and debates and all that. Um, but one of them said, oh, you, you acknowledge they're a super couple, so you clearly want them together. I acknowledge that they are viewed as a super couple. That does not mean I necessarily want them together. And this is not the first time that has happened. Todd and Blair on, on One Life to Live. I loved Todd and Blair for a long time, but it got to a certain point where their re- relationship seemed abusive to me, and I no longer wanted to see them together. They could still love each other from afar. They could go around ruining other people's lives while they lusted after each other secretly, but I did not want them together. At this point, and I think you guys know, and you know, it seems like part of the audience agrees with me, part of it doesn't, which is usually the case. I cannot see Alexis go back to Julian because it would make her weak as, well, you know what the kids say, weak AF. 
Um, it would, she would be going back to a man who physically and emotionally abused her. And I don't care if his sister made him do it. I don't care if Luke made him do it. I don't care if, you know, Casey the alien came back from Lumina and made him do it. Once you have done that to me, no, I'm sorry. The, because, because there's no excuse for it. Now, here's, let's face it, here's what really happened. The writers came up with this story that they really liked where, you know, Julian would – they would take Julian to the very edge where he would, like, fantasize about killing uh, uh, um, Alexis because, remember, we saw him fantasize about drowning her. Then he would hold a knife to her throat, and let's play this out. The only reason – as we saw it play out, he held a knife to her throat. He was going to kill her, and he only didn't basically because Sonny showed up. Now, if he hadn't showed up, how would this have played out? That's a really good question, but he did. So all we know is what we are told, which is that he tried to kill his wife. Now they're, now they're, now they're kind of backtracking and being like, oh, well, he really only did it to protect her. But there are better ways to protect somebody. You know, create a fight that makes you leave them. That's been done before on soaps. If you take a couple to the point where, they are, where the man is physically and emotionally abusing the woman, I have a real hard time coming back from it. Maybe they can do it, but it's going to take more than what I've seen so far because right now, you know, yeah, Julian comes to her with flowers and he sort of like wants to be there and wants to help her put together her life, which makes sense because he destroyed her life or at least helped destroy it. But it's not enough. He needs to make a grand gesture, something huge. You guys know my story has been for a while that I think Sonny and Julian should join forces and um, bring down the five families, leave the mobs, and do that as a way of proving to the two women that they love very, very much that, that you know, they're willing to make this huge sacrifice and this huge change in their lives. But that's for another day. The other couple I want to talk about is Hillary and Devon. Um, who, again, are a super couple that are not together at the time. A lot of the audience doesn't see, um, and I agree, I don't think the writing has done a great job of showing that this is a couple that should be together and belongs together and that, that the end game is. I think, I think the show thinks it's telegraphing that, but I don't think it's doing it as well as it is. And here's my big problem with Hillary right now. The show is writing Hillary as sort of a one-note bitch, you know, she's getting involved in things that are none of her business. And I know she has every reason, you know, like her and Lily hate each other, and that's awesome. I have no problem with that. I love when Crystal Khalil and Michelle Morgan, who are both amazing actresses, I really like when they butt heads and they play them. And, you know, Lily gets – Lily is never better for me than when she's being bitchy. Like, I know she's supposed to be America's sweetheart or whatever, but for me, bitchy Lily is awesome Lily. Uh, and Hillary has become very, very, very shrill and one-note. I also think, and I, I think even the people who disagree with my feelings about Hillary and Devon or Havon as a couple will agree that the Hillary Hour is a failure. It doesn't make any sense. Half the time it's GC Buzz. Half the time it's the Hillary Hour. We don't know what this show is. It's, it's just it's television shows within television shows on daytime very, 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 very rarely work. W-O-A-K on Oakdale was one of the few exceptions with Kim working at the TV station and eventually becoming manager, and they did several stories on there that really kind of worked. But for the most part, um, these kind of stories just don't work, and this one is no better. Mariah and Hillary, no, they make no sense. It makes no sense for these two people to be, you know, hosting a TV show together. I freely admit I do not think that Devon and, and Mariah are a good couple. I think... I understand why they did it, I, you know, to, to sort of like shake up Hillary, but 
I don't think that they have legs. I'm kind of sad that they're writing Greg Rickard off because, for me, Mariah and Kevin were such a fun couple, and they were so cute, and I know they had bad sex, but we've all had bad sex and then learned how to have better sex later. Wait, is that just me? Uh, I'm sure someone else out there has experienced that as well. But, you know, I liked them, and I thought they had fun, and they were playful, and they had chemistry. Um, I just don't think that I don't think Jordan and Jordan and Hillary really work mainly because it's very clear that Hillary's interest is with Devon. She's just using Jordan and that's okay with me, but the Mariah, Mariah Devon thing, they're sort of trying to play like this is a real pairing and it's not working for me. They sort of need to move her away. I am a huge Cameron Grimes fan. Um, she is one of my favorite actresses on the show. I will watch her do anything, but I sort of want better for her. So for me, yes, I think you can save Devon and Hillary. Yes, I think they should be a couple. But I think that there needs to be sort of a refocus, and that refocus needs to be on Hillary because right now her actions don't make sense to me. If if Hillary really does hope to someday get Devon back, and clearly she does. You can see every time he walks in the room that she's kind of like, you know, her eyes boiling out, and, you know, she clearly wants to get this guy back. She's using Jordan to make him jealous, obviously. But... Devon loves Lily. She knows that. So for Hillary to be openly plotting against Lily and Kane makes no sense. Now, if she was doing this behind the scenes and being subtle, you know, really subtle, shadily doing it, I would buy it, and it would make sense because Hillary is a smart girl, and she could do that. She could manipulate everything from behind the scenes. And plus, that makes for a better story. Let's say Hillary and Devon start working their way back together, and he doesn't know what she's been doing to Lillian and, and Kane behind the scenes. She does, he doesn't know. They get back together. They're happy and everything, and all of a sudden, the truth comes out. Bam, there's another roadblock. And that's what a super couple needs. A super couple needs always to be the rooting couple. You need always to be focused on them, but at the same time, there needs always to be you know, not always, they get some happy times, but there needs to be roadblocks between them. The typical super couple spends more time apart than they do together. Think of uh, Victor and Nikki, who spent years apart. Think of Knott's Landing's Gary and Val, they spent years apart. Almost In almost every case, most good super couples spend more time apart than they do together. And while they're apart, they marry other people and they sleep with other people and they destroy lives because they don't love the people that they're marrying and sleeping with. They, they're, they're just distractions for them, distractions to the main event, which is their love. And, you know, eventually they get back together and it's awesome. And then one or the other of them or outside circumstances somehow screw it up. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's my um, take on these things. And I'm really interested in hearing y'all's take. So we're going to start taking some uh, some some calls here. Again, if you want to join the conversation, the number is 714-868-0749. 714-868-0749. Um, oh my gosh, I blabbered on for 22 minutes. You guys know when I get going, that's how it can be. All right, now I'm going to take my first call here, and I think that this person actually wants to come on the line, as opposed to sometimes when I bring people on who are like, I was just listening, I didn't want to come on. Uh, 218, you are on the line, 218. Hi, Richard, this is Sharon. Hey, Sharon, how are you? Am I right? I've got this little weird signal here, and I think it means you wanted to come on. Did you? Yes, Yes, I did. thank goodness. Okay, good, then I understand how the new <laughs> system works. Because <laughs> last week I was bringing people on, and they were like, um, dude, no, I, I, I don't ever want to come on your show. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. No, I always <laughs> want to talk to you. Oh, good. <laughs> well, what do you got for me tonight, Sharon? Well, you were talking about May Sweeps. 
and I am a diehard 40-year GH fan. And I have to say, I agree, it was kind of a letdown. The uh, the, the Chimera storyline just, unfortunately, like so many other recent stories, like you said, there was just no payoff. You build up for months, and then in a matter of one show, everything is done. Right, and there's no... And- like and there's no fallout from it. You know, the same thing happened no. with Hayden and Liz. For months we were teased that, you know, we knew that they were sisters, but they didn't know. And then one day Franco walked in and was like, Oh, by the way, y'all yeah. are sisters and I'm like, What? That's how you play this out? Or the biggest most recent example or the biggest recent example, Liz there, you know, she kept Jason in the dark because she knew who he was and she married and you know, like there was no fallout from that story, none whatsoever. So this does I, seem to be a real repeated problem, that they come up with these stories that have months and months of built-in tension and no fallout. I really was expecting for this whole thing to go down during the nurse's ball, like you said, and I was almost hoping that we would get another storyline like that toxic uh, water issue a few years ago. I can't even exactly. remember. Or, or like yeah, the biotoxin yeah. one. Remember when they were unleashed the biotoxin? Exactly. Not in the water, but at the hospital. Like, or, or if you go all the way back in history, way back, because you're a long time viewer, loss of fever. When like the whole hospital was quarantined by loss of fever. Yes. You had all the personal dramas and everything unfolding. This was a perfect chance to showcase the hospital. You had this it, biotoxin. I, well, I keep thinking, is it the budget? that that keeps them restricted is it the writing is I it i don't believe it's the, the budget the and fan bases why. that they're trying I, to to pull in well for one thing i think that the show is too big i think they have too many characters oh definitely and stories dis- because of that stories disappear for for weeks on end and then when they come back because it's been weeks you have to like spend days explaining the story and doing all kinds of recap and all this and but i think and i don't think budget is a problem in this situation because you know it wouldn't have cost anything to unleash the chimera and let the bio you know you you, you, you it's an odorless gas and it fills the room and people are hospitalized you've got the hospital set it's in fact it's probably yeah. cheaper because you can tell a lot of stories in the hospital set you know so i exactly. i honestly do not know what the reasoning was. I'm actually, I'm looking forward to, I'm actually talking to, um, I'm talking to Gene and Shelley tomorrow for a cover story that we're working on. And I'm, I'm going to ask them if they played with that idea, you know, if they toyed with the idea of, of actually unleashing the chimera and, and what the, you know, how the decision was made not to, because it does seem like, it seems like such a natural thing to do for me when I'm writing a story. When I'm writing a story, whether it's you know a, whether it's for one of my books or whether it's you know for for just Charlie and I like to play how would you fix the story kind of thing, I always look and I say what's the most interesting outcome of any situation, and I can tell you this much: if you've got you know a lady and a tiger behind a wall, the most interesting solution is not to unleash the lady; it's to unleash the tiger. And in this case, the tiger <laughs> was the tiger, and all they had to do was let little Jake open that. Boom! Suddenly, yeah. you had a much better story. Well, I think one of the big issues I've had, and I, I do not miss an episode. I do not fast forward because there's a lot of times when, even though it's either a storyline you're not interested in, 
or characters you're not necessarily intrigued with, you might learn something. And so I don't skip. But recently I have been tempted, and I hate to admit that, but there are so many things right now that are not holding my interest. And, I mean, I am a diehard Sonny fan. I have loved Sonny since day one. I will forgive that man anything, but right now I wish he'd go away. I'm just so I tired had a real hard time. You know, I can't say that I'm a huge Sonny fan. I'm a huge Maurice Bernard fan, and I have been for a long, for, for since he was on All My Children. Um, Sonny, I've had a lot of issues with over the years, mainly because I find his stories to be a little bit, you know, they're, they're, for me, they're a little bit one note. You know, they don't, there's never really, there's yeah. never redemption. There's never punishment. It's always just sort of a cycle. But for me, I had a real hard time watching Sonny stand at the side of one of his baby mama's beds and basically say, mm-hmm. I want you to suffer. And if you get better, I'm going to kill you. Like that, yeah. I, I feel like this, He's, is, this is something that's bothered me for a while. We live in an... We live in such a traumatic era. I mean, look look what happened in Orlando. Look at look at what happened in Manchester. We need when I turn on the television, I need to see some stories of of hope and love and 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 I'm not saying everybody needs to hold hands and sing kumbaya and you know make sweet sweet love in front of the fireplace or anything, but I also need for not every story on the show to be dark and about murder and mobsters who are getting away with things or mob malls or you know, the anti-hero thing has gone so far that Laura at one point today had a moment of empathy for the guy who killed her son. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, you, that, cannot no use my, you cannot be, use my beloved Laura to make me feel sympathy for Valentine. No, he killed Nick. He shot Kevin. This is, and this is another one, thing the show has done yeah. over the years is they introduce very bad characters who do very bad things. And then they say, well, but but we want them to stick around, so we're going to, you know, kind of make you find ways to make you like them. Once, Just like with Julian and Alexis, once you show me the bad thing, you can't then say, well, now we want you to forget that bad thing. It's an exactly the same thing with Valentin. started out being you knew he was the bad-ass Cassidine that Helena was afraid of, so obviously he's the worst of the worst. And it started out that way, and now all he is is, to me, a whiny daddy. That I mean, I, I just, they have turned also, his character around so much that I have lost all interest in him. Well, not only have they turned him around, but he really doesn't make sense. We were told no. long before the character was introduced that he was the baddest dude out there, that he was so bad that Helena was afraid of him. Now, exactly. I keep hoping they will slip into a script because there is a way to make this make sense. We only know that he was such a baddie that Helena was afraid of him because Helena told us this. They could explain that because we now know that Valentine sold Helena the chimera. We know that now. So they could very easily explain that Helena only said that about Valentine because she didn't want anybody to suspect there was any connection between them. They wanted her to everybody. She wanted everybody to think that they were afraid of each other. You know, there's like it'd be really, really, really simple to explain this huge gaping mistake in the history of the character because you know. And 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 again, when we first met him, 
when they brought him on on Castleline Island and he shot Nicholas and shot or killed Nicholas and shot Kevin, that guy was basically the person that Helena said he was. But even that yes. didn't make sense because if because now he supposedly did all that so that he could take control of the Castleline fortune and blah blah blah. But why would he need that? He made a fortune selling the Chimera. Like there's just there's so many holes in his backstory, and it's such a muddled mess that it doesn't really hold together, and that's frustrating for me. Because I love it, James I, Patrick Stewart. I think he's amazing. Oh, I, I, I love watching him. I think he's an unbelievable actor. But it's just the story does not ring true, and that's what I mean by I've lost interest. One of the things that I was disappointed in, again, was – Without unleashing the chimera, had they done, had they done that, that could have turned Ka- uh, Valentine around and brought out a, another side to him. But that was lacking because it fell so flat. Well, and even little things like I walk away from this story, and, and it's weird the little things that stand out in my mind. Like, when they showed the flashbacks to um, Helena and her thug beating up Jason on Castleline Island, they showed, um, you know, Jake had hidden behind whatever, and they showed this tree, and the tree had a chimera on it. Why did the tree have a chimera on it? Like, yeah. Like, they, they don't why? follow it through no even sense. with the the, the... the thing that, that I keep running through my mind is soap fans notice the little details they remember for years the little details, but none of that really seems to concern the powers that be, to, in, to my way of thinking anyway. Because somebody that knows these stories, knows these characters, they remember these things. And they, now wait a minute, why, why did that happen? What did you do with this? And I don't think that sometimes the writers grasp the fact that fans know. So you're letting not only the show down, you're letting the fans down when you don't know. It's funny so because your one of my, it's funny because one of the things that I read, um, I'm way behind on it, but it's um, the dark shadows every day blog is one of my all time favorite blogs. Um, um, my friend, Danny Horn writes it. Um, I'm, and and it's basically every day he looks at the, another episode of Dark Shadows, the, the classic soap. And it's so funny when you read this blog and read about, like, what went wrong with Dark Shadows over the years, it reads like a history of modern soap operas because it's the same mm-hmm. things, like, the, you know, that they didn't use, the audience was smart enough to follow this, or they did, you know, they, 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 they left out, they, they would introduce a story point and then just completely drop it, or they would rewrite the history. It's amazing. And I'm having him on the show in a couple of weeks because I want to talk about that exact topic that, you know, that like it seems as if many modern soaps are repeating the, the, the mistakes of this, this show that burned bright but then burned out really quickly. And I feel like one of the things I always say is that soaps need to modernize. They need to, you know, sort of realize that the audience is smart. They need to stop mentoring every five minutes. If you, like, I think it was yesterday or, no, yesterday, Thursday or Friday. Thursday or Friday's General Hospital, the entire episode was recap. It was people sitting around yeah. explaining what had happened at the nurse's ball. And to me, that there's two problems with that. One, you are telling the audience they don't need to watch because if they miss a detail, you are going to catch them up. 
Two, if I have already seen it, this is, you know, I, I, I watch every day, so you are, you are basically telling me everything I already saw. There's no reason for me to watch this episode. So in both of those cases, you are telling them they don't have to watch. Because, hey, if you, watch, if you don't watch and you miss what happened, don't worry. We're going to sit down and we're going to have people discuss it and tell you. Now, of course, exposition well, is important and ha- it's necessary, but it can't be, you know, like it can't be that heavy and awkward. Yes. The, the thing I miss more than anything right now is conversation. We used to get in-depth conversations between people. And some people still get those in-depth conversations. And some people are just, everything happens off screen. And I think that that is so unbalanced because not everybody likes the same characters. And I understand that better than anyone because I have my favorites and everybody else does too. But the the in-depth conversation that we used to get, it's just skirted over now and, and everything happens off screen and there's no connections, the emotional connection there. There can be love in the afternoon without there being any romance. It's just a connection and I think a lot of those connections are missing. Now, we see it a lot with Valentine and Nina because I think they're really trying to sell this couple. And they have good chemistry and they work well together. But in my opinion, too much of, any, too much of a good thing, regardless of what it is, is too much. No, as I, much I as I enjoy a couple, agree. if I see them all the time, I get tired of them, just like Sonny and Carly right now. They're, they're a couple of my favorites. But right now, I wish they'd take a vacation because we're, I'm seeing so much of them and not enough of the other things I'm interested well, in. I think that, that has I just less zone to do, out. Honestly, I think that has less to do with seeing too much of characters and more to do with there being too many characters on the canvas. Because I don't mind seeing... You know, I don't mind if I see, you know, a lot of the characters, as long as it's not at the expense of other characters that I love. You know, like I need to be able and to maybe see. That's what, maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Yes, I because think it is. Because we get four and five days a week of some people. As, as an example, we get Valentine and Nina all the time. We get, we get them building up a, a, their relationship and their talking and discussing and and they're dealing with all this life that they have to learn but there's another duo involved in that story and we get basically nothing from that side no. of it Lulu, we yeah, get Lulu, no, and, no Lulu, and, Lulu and Dante have Lulu and Dante have basically yeah. been um, embryo they've, been, they've <laughs> disappeared for like three years. and <laughs> I had thought we were led to believe that this whole Charlotte thing was going to be a, a Dante and Lulu centric storyline. No. no, we were and not. They now, have now, been... You know, now I'm going to correct you there. Fans say okay. that all the time. We were led to believe this was going to be a Dante and Lulu centric story. No. Fans let themselves to believe that. Nowhere along the line did anybody at the show say, oh, this is going to be a Dante and Lulu story. You know, like, like, I mean, and I think if you ask the show, they would say that this is a Dante and Lulu story. They would say they, – they'd be wrong, but I think they firmly believe that. Um, Sharon, I, 
I, I, I'm going to need to move on. I've got a couple other calls here I need to get oh, to. I, no, but, I understand. Um, but we'll talk again. You bet. Thanks for calling. Good talking to you, Richard. Bye. Always. Yeah, I like I said, I really think the show thinks that they're telling a Dante and Lulu story, and maybe the next phase of it will be. But um, And by the way, if you're worried that when um, Emmy Ryland goes on maternity leave, she's going to disappear, no. You will, you will probably not even notice her absence because um, they, you know, she's got like a couple weeks of vacation, but they're also, um, the show goes for several weeks at various points in the year, and they're about to do that. So it should all time out perfectly that you really won't notice a huge absence on the part of, of Emmy Ryland's Lulu if things go the way they're planning. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that and see what happens. All right, our next caller on the line here is 603, and I'm guessing that that's Robert. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I wanted to ask three questions of you about General Hospital. Okay. Uh, what happened to the? Uh, what happened to uh, what's he called? Um, married to the, the cop, um, Maxie. Yeah, what happened to Maxie? Maxie will be back, uh, I believe, later this month, if I'm not mistaken. Um, her portrayer, uh, uh, Kirsten Storms, took a personal leave, yeah, so she's been yeah, gone for like a while. That's happened before. They um, that's happened before. The last time that, they, that it happened, they had to, they did a recast because it happened at a point when she was in really you big stories. You know what? Time it, you know what the, show this, she started on? Uh, Xenon or or some such thing. Seven, uh, I, I, seven, seven. You know, uh, I think even before that was was. Oh really? Uh, uh, some some cartoon some show. Yeah, not really a cartoon, but now, now be careful. Don't oh. talk on top of me because people can't hear us both at the same time. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, that's question. That's question one. What's question two? Okay, question two. Do you think the original Jason's coming back? Uh, Steve Burton. Do I think Steve Burton is coming back? I, if I had to venture a guess, I would say yes, eventually. Um, you know, there, I mean, I would personally, I would play a story where, you know, eventually you bring Steve Burton's Jason back, you reveal that the Jason that's on the canvas now, Billy Miller, is not actually Jason, that there was like, you know, that, that there was a screw up when he had the whole and blah, blah, blah. And, and then you play a story of which, which Jason does Sam love? And I would make this a really romantic story with both guys really like, you know, pouring everything out to try and win her heart because that's what daytime needs is more is more romance. So I mean do is he coming back? I don't know. Do I think he will eventually come back? I, I do. I kinda think I kinda think he will. And what what happened to the original um Kiki? Oh, uh, uh, oh, why am I forgetting her name? Help me out, chat room. Uh, Kirsten Alderson. Kirsten Alderson. Um, yeah, what happened to her? Yeah, she left the show, and at that time, that's when they brought um, Haley Aaron on. And I think Haley Aaron has been doing a great job. I mean, I love Kirsten Alderson. I grew up, you know, Kirsten Alderson, I watched her grow up. I, I think I met yeah. her for the first time when she was, I don't remember, she was a little, little kid when I met her for the first time. And, you know, over the years, I've, I, we all watched her grow up first on One Life to Live and then moving over to General Hospital. But, uh, but when she moved on, they needed to recast the role, so they brought on Haley Aaron. And I'll admit, I wasn't, 
I freely admit I wasn't the biggest Haley Aaron fan when she first took over the role, but now, man, she has made this part her own. I think she has been doing such good work, and she's got really good stuff coming up in the next few weeks as Kiki tries to deal with, on the one hand, her mom, uh, you know, basically she knows now that her mom did this horrible, horrible thing to Morgan, and on the other hand, her mom is fighting for her life. So does she hate her mom? Does she love her mom? She's working at the hospital, which means it's part of her duty to take care of her mom. There's really, really good stuff coming up for um, for Kiki and Haley Aaron. Yeah, but I think she should be in jail. Who should be in jail? Ava? Yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing. Uh, and I'm of two minds on this. You, you can't necessarily you can't put soap characters in jail because you know unless you're going to do a whole like three year story with them behind bars or ten year story or whatever you know and there was there used to be a soap opera a uh, a, a foreign soap opera called um, Prisoner Cell Block H which I loved it was an Australian soap opera and it was all set at a women's prison but you can't really send your characters to prison long term because there's there's just not story there at the same time. I'm a big believer that if you are going to have soap opera characters do horrible, terrible, 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 no good, very bad things, they have to pay the price. I don't care if it's I don't care if it's you know Victor Newman, I don't care if it's uh, Sonny Corinthos, I don't care if it's Ava Jerome. If you see if we are going to see characters do bad things, then there has to be punishment for it, especially in this day and age, because in this day and age we're all looking for. We need good to win out over evil. There's so much badness in the world, you know, whether it's terrorists or, or people being shot or, you know, the political climate. There's so many bad things in the world that we need to be able to look at our TVs and see some hope and see some happiness and see some love. And so I would like to get away from the anti-hero thing, which they started, you know, quite a while ago. I mean, some would argue that Luke was one of the first big anti-heroes, and I would agree. Um, Todd Manning was a big anti-hero. Sonny Corinthos. But now, like, where you used to have one anti-hero on a show, like, Todd Manning was basically the anti-hero of One Life to Live. Now, you've got Sonny and Valentine and Julian and Ava, and, I mean, like, you've got this whole cast of characters who all of whom are anti-heroes. They're bad people who we are supposed to support their actions because they also happen to be the lead characters on the show. And that's, that's, a, that's hard for me at this point in the game. I need, I need to see, you know, let's see some stories of redemption. And let's see some, I want to see more have-nots. We have so many rich people on soaps. Let's see more have-nots. I really hope that, um, I know people have a hate on for Amy because, you know, they introduced her as this, like, really nasty little gossipy girl. But Risa Dorkin is so charming and so appealing in real life, and she's so talented. And I want Amy's story to sort of turn around and let us see her in a new light. And then and that will give us an appealing, normal – I mean, like, you know, she's she's curvy. She's, she's a normal-looking girl. Let's see a real story for a, a character that looks like those of us in the audience look like because most of us in the audience do not look like, you know, Michelle Stafford or, or, or Ryan Pavey. We don't look like that. We look like, you know, we look like Felix and Amy. That's what we look like if we're lucky. So, so I'd like to see more of that and a little bit less of the, you know, the, the bad characters that get away with everything. Yeah, I like Tony, though. I do like Sonny like a lot. 
Oh, I mean, I, I love Maurice Bernard. But see, for me, the story with Sonny, we've seen him play the same story over and over and over again. We've seen him playing this story. So for me, the, the story that I want to see is Sonny saying, you know what? I have caused everyone in my life so much pain. I need to start anew. I need to get, I need to get out of the mob and find a new way to be – I want to still be powerful – but I don't want to put everyone I love in danger. How can I do that? That is, to me, not only is that something new and interesting for the character, it's also something new and interesting for Maurice Bernard. Maurice Bernard is such a talented actor. He's so good. And I want to see him do something other than this story that we've seen him do, you know, over and over again, where it's, you know, Sonny, Sonny, you know, being in the mob and Sonny threatening women. And let's let him, let's let him see if he can actually turn it around and make Sonny uh, the hero again. Well, I don't know if I should say again. I don't know if Sonny was ever a hero. I mean, if you remember, way back when, you know, he was running a strip club and getting Karen hooked on pills. So uh, yeah. he may yeah. not have ever been. He may not have ever necessarily been a hero. But, but you know, I but, but I think you know, I think Maurice Bernard is so appealing and so charming, and I think it'd be so cool to see him take this character in a completely different direction. And you know, really, you know, there are, there are people out there who don't who don't like Sonny because they think he gets away with everything or whatever. I'd love to see him win them over. See, have them say, "Oh, okay, this is you know, this is different." Now I'm seeing him redeem himself. I'm seeing him make good for his past sin. That to me is a but really he cares strong about his family, story. Hmm? He loves his family, though. He says he loves his family. But a man who loves his family would not put them in constant danger. A man who loves his family would, you know, the first time that one of his kids almost died because of his business or the first time someone he loved did die because of his business, he would say, you know, if I love my family as much as I say I do, if I want to get my wife back and I say I, I, I love Carly, I love her with all my heart, but she, she has said, you know, she does, she can't put up with the violence anymore. So how mm. do I keep her, I get away from this violence. I change my life. I take on a, a you know, I, I take my life in a whole new direction. And I do this. And again, the reason I like this story so much or this idea of this story so much is it is a story about love. And that's what I think we need more of in soaps is, you know, the same thing with Julian and Alexis. You want me to buy Julian and Alexis as a couple again? I want Julian to make some no. grand gesture. He has to do something huge to, to, to make me be like, okay, okay, you know, I can do this again. But right now, he has not done that. Right now, he has done, doesn't, hasn't done anything that makes me, you know, I know Julian and Alexis fans, they love them. And so when Julian and Alexis hug, you know, they all show their O faces. They have little orgasms, and I get that. We all have couples that we love. But I don't ever, I, I don't I don't think it's a good idea as a soap fan to love a couple so much that you're willing to overlook bad story, that you're willing to look at something and say, well, yeah, he tried to kill her, but it's a soap. I don't like the phrase, it's just a soap. To me, that's demeaning. That says that soap fans don't expect better, that, that they, you know, they should put up with whatever because, the, because it's a soap. I do not like that phrase. I'm a, I, you know, if, if, if you are saying, if your excuse for why a story works is, well, yeah, but it's a soap opera, then you haven't sold me. There needs to be more to it than that. Right. 
are you on next week too? I hope so. I'd like to get back on a regular schedule. Um, right now, I'm not sure. What I'm hoping to do is if I cannot do the actual show um, on Monday nights, then to have, like, something pre-recorded. Like, I, I, I want to interview uh, my friend Danny uh, and and talk to him about sort of modern soaps. And he's, he's just so smart and so he's so television literal. He knows – you know, so well, much I about television and its impact. So I'd really like to I think to talk you're good. I like to talk about your mom, so. Yeah, yeah, well, I hope to. I hope to I hope to be back. Yeah, me uh, too. I'll, I'll, re- I'll tell everybody you should. Everybody should listen to you. Well, I'm thank you, Robert. I really... Well, thank you. I very, very much appreciate that. I'm and from New York originally. I, Where are you from? Uh, well, I moved all over. I've, I was uh, I was actually born in New Jersey, but I have lived oh, really? all over. Yes, um, but I have You're lived a giant all fan? over. I'm sorry. You're a giant fan. A giant? A what? Are you a New York Giants fan? Oh God, no! I don't watch any. I don't watch any sports now. Uh, no, oh, I, I, I like have, sports too. Yeah, no, I I don't don't do any sports. Um, well, listen, thank you very much for calling. Um, I have to wrap up the show here. Um, like I said, I hope to be back on Mondays. Um, it's it's a little up in the air right now, but if you subscribe to the podcast, you can make sure never to miss it. And if you have questions, keep an eye on Twitter. And when you see that I'm about to do a show, you can um, you can always send me a uh, a question via. Uh, Twitter or Facebook or wherever, and I will try and answer it during the show. I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me, as always. I'm also hoping to have Dan Kroll on in the very near future, but, um, you know, he's he's sort of my nemesis, so I don't know. We'll see if he's actually willing to come on. Um, I have it on very good authority that he was doing something very special today and didn't bother to invite me. Um, well, okay, he invited me, but he only invited me three times, and everybody knows I don't go to anything until the fourth invitation because the fourth invitation is the one that says, I really, really, really want you to be here. Um, a little preview of what's coming up on your soaps in the next week or two. Um, the Bold and the Beautiful, as you saw at the end of today's episode, Katie may or may not have gone over the edge. Uh, I'm not sure. It's, uh, I still think it might be a fantasy, but I do know that um, Quinn is going to have good reason to be sort of afraid. And, you know, the question is going to be, is Katie actually threatening her? Is she threatening herself? Is someone else threatening her? So look for some real excitement where the Quinn story is concerned. And I'm really glad to hear that because I really am a huge fan of Rena Sofer. Uh, General Hospital, we are going to be moving toward wrapping up this Valentine story. Valentine has Charlotte and has gone on the run. We'll be wrapping that up, and we're about to head into a really, really interesting phase. If you're a Carly Sunny fan, um, be ready, because the next few weeks there's some some really interesting stuff coming up. I'm also interested to see if they're going where I think they're going with this, uh, with the potential of an Ava-Griffin pairing, because a saint in the center, you know, I mean, let's face it, he's sort of a kind of a maybe a priest, and that's kind of a good story. Plus, how, come on, Matt Cohen's been on the show for how long now, and he has yet to have an actual love interest, and no, we do not count Claudette. You know, Claudette was a plot point that really didn't make much sense, and I'm sorry, Nathan, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, Griffin, that that was your only love interest. 
Uh, Days of Our Lives, we're going to continue with this island story for a bit, but the real story that I'm interested in is is Dario and Abby and sort of how they get through this, and also Gabby and Chad. You know, like, they're trapped on this island, and, you know, we all know things happen when you're trapped on an island. Um, Jennifer, who... uh, Jennifer Horton would be able to tell you a thing or two of that. Some of us may remember back when Jack and Jennifer were trapped on a certain island during the... I believe it was during the... A cruise of deception, and we know what happened with them. So, you know, things happen on an island. Uh, and the Young and the Restless. The Young and the Restless is heading toward a couple of huge, huge, huge plot shocks um, in the next week or two. Um, I will not say any more. I will just say that um, when I read the breakdowns, I was very surprised, and I think you will be too. Uh, and they're also, I'll be interested to see what they do with Sharon next, because there's a lot of controversy about the Sharon and Scott pairing, which makes sense, because while they look great together on screen, I mean, they look right together to me, but when you keep in mind that he is Lauren's son, that kind of screws everything up, and I really feel like that's why Lauren and Michael have been sort of backburnered, is so that we don't think about that too much, and I don't want that to happen, because Tracy Bregman and Christian Christian Jules LeBlanc are just they are national treasures and I love Michael and Lauren and I really want to get back into their story. In fact, I'm hoping that what we see in the future is Lauren, Michael and Paul. I would love to reinvestigate that whole thing and see her for whatever reason, maybe, maybe Paul leans on her. She leans on him and old feelings are rekindled because that my friend is classic soap. And we all know that's what I'm all about. Um, I want to thank everybody for coming tonight. Hopefully we will get on a more regular schedule. We'll, uh, uh, and once we do, we'll have more callers, more guests, more everything, more, more, more. It'll be like that Seinfeld episode, more everything. But until then, thanks for listening. And uh, remember, what do you have to do? We like, because we're talking about soaps, you have to tune in tomorrow. Oh, by the way, before I say that, before I hit the final music, As you know, my name is Richard. I'm the executive editor of Soaps In-Depth magazine. I also do our tweet feeds at Soaps In-Depth ABC and Soaps In-Depth CBS. If you want to follow my personal feed, it's at How Rude Are You. Uh, My primetime feed, which I'm going to be on any minute now doing some primetime tweeting, is All TV All Shade, All TV All Shade on Twitter. And my Facebook is facebook.com slash trophy. So if you want to find me, You should be able to pretty easily because I'm always at one of those places. So now, as we were saying, because it's soaps, what do you have to do? Tune in tomorrow.